What goes on inside the mind of the Singapore consumer? The Kiasunomics podcast series unravels the way Singaporeans behave across different domains like spending, transport, environment, superstition, schooling, and housing markets. Backed by multiple research studies, NUS Business School professors examine the quirks, psychology, and mechanics behind the daily economic decisions of Singaporeans. So in this episode of Kiasunomics podcast, what I want to discuss is, do consumers look for bargains? Are we driven by always finding something cheaper and better? This goes back to my mom who is always saying, I was able to bargain the price down by 10%. And my view to her is, did you even buy the right thing? Even though you bought it cheaper, you just may have bought the wrong thing, which we don't need in the house. So while you save 10 cents, I'm saying you wasted 90 cents. It's an interesting question. Uh, We all care about it. Within households, we are always debating, oh, we got a bargain. Let's go to this restaurant or let's go to this shop. Prices are cheaper at this shop. But how do we actually see this or look at this systematically? Are Singaporeans looking for a bargain? I'm guessing you all care about this. So I'm going to talk about two different ways I have looked at the data. One is the Great Singapore Sale that happens during the summertime and see how Singaporeans actually respond to the Great Singapore Sale because that happens on selected items and selected stores and you can get discounts of anywhere from 10 to 50 to 60% of the price. And the other experiment I have in mind is, do people drive all the way to Malaysia and especially crossing the bridge over to Johor Bahru or JB, and are they going to JB to buy cheaper goods? There is these stories that people will drive to JB to fill in their petrol tank and look for cheaper milk and many other daily use items. Now, those are good stories, but do people actually do that systematically in the data is another thing. So both of these questions to me are fascinating. So let me take one at a time and talk about it. Let's think about the idea of going to JB and looking for bargains there. Now, it's not easy because we can conduct a survey and ask people who live, who go to JB on the, we can stand on the crossing, border crossing and do a survey and ask people. Some people will say, oh, no, no, I'm going to meet relatives. Some people might be reluctant to tell us they're going to fill their car with the petrol because they may think I may report this to the government or tax authority. So there are many reasons why we may not elicit the right answers from the people. But what if we looked at the data and then we can see what people are doing? So this is what exactly we did. We looked at the data of Singaporeans and see if there is differences in their spending habits, people who live close to JB and people who live closer, further away from JB within Singapore. So you can think about people who are just living closer to the two bridges that cross over into JB and further away, and then see if their spending habits are different. 
and does it make sense or not? First, right away, if you look at the data, you can see that the people who are living away from JB, on average, they spend more in Singapore. Okay. Now, you might just say, okay, they spend more in Singapore. Does that mean they spend more in JB? Or does that mean that the people who live closer to JB are poorer, and so as a result, they spend less? It's not obvious that just because you look at people who live closer to JB in Singapore, they spend less, means they spend more in JB. So it's a tricky question to answer just by looking at Singapore data. But it's very difficult for me to have all of their JB spending data. So if I go back to administrative data sets that people have from a bank, I can look at their foreign transactions and where these foreign transactions are happening, and I can find out if some of those transactions are happening in JB. So that's what we try to do by looking at spending of people in Singapore, then by looking of the people who live further away from JB, how many times do they have foreign transactions, and especially those foreign transactions are in JB, and then looking at foreign transactions of people who close, live closer to JB, and how many times and what amounts of these foreign transactions they have in JB. So what you see is some of these foreign transactions they are having are in JB, and they can explain part of the difference. But that's not also complete picture because, you know, people may be going to spend in JB. It's not because they want to kind of not spend here, but maybe they have relatives there and they go to visit them every weekend, and, you know, this allows them to spend there. So we can't claim that they're going there to look for a bargain they're going there to actually meet their loved ones. And when they go to meet their loved ones, they have to spend money. They have to buy dinners or they have to buy presents and they just buy them there and it works that way. So it's not even clear there that that is one of the reasons people are spending more in JB. To make this more cleaner, to kind of show this effect that people actually go to JB and spend more, it would be nice if we could actually see variation in taxes like GST or other taxes in Singapore and then see the people who live closer to JB before and after the tax change, do they spend more in JB now? Let's say the GST was at 10%, it went up in Singapore. Now do you see the people who live near the borders, their spending in Singapore goes down further. Now I can't argue it's because of family or it's because they are poorer. It is because the GST changed. Now they are looking for a bargain and they're saying JB taxes are lower. Let me go to JB and try to find the same product and pay less in taxes by buying it there. And especially for them, because for them the transaction cost or the cost of going over to JB is very small. They can just go across the bridge versus somebody who's living near the airport near Changi, for them to go over JB is very expensive, both in time and petrol, and the money savings by going to JB may not be as big. And so what you will see in the data is when there are GST tax changes or other tax changes, both in Singapore and in JB, where JB taxes are going down and Singapore taxes are going up, you will see people who live closer to JB will cross over into JB to buy products more so than people who live 
further away from JB. Now that makes sense. So now I've said, oh, it's not because of their income or it's not because of their relatives. It is because they are looking for a bargain. Can we see what do they buy? So clearly I don't have what they buy in JB very detailed, but in Singapore I know both from survey data on what they buy in Singapore and also from their credit card statement data, what they buy in Singapore, that also gives you an idea what kind of things are they looking for in bargains in JB. And what you find is that people who are living on closer to the border, they are shopping, say, for petrol, is more infrequent in Singapore relative to the people who are living further away from the border, their purchase of petrol in Singapore is more frequent. That's one suggestive evidence that the people who are living close to the border are buying some of their petrol, at least in JB, because clearly there is a huge price differential or cost savings for them. The other products that are obvious and explainable on why you would go to JB to buy. And you, are, these products can range anywhere, by, from, anywhere from looking at powdered milk, food items, or even more long-term durable items that you can buy from JB and bring them back into Singapore. Obviously, the Singapore government knows about these issues. That's why there is border control will look after some what you bring, what you buy, have you paid taxes, import duty and things like that. So you can, whatever you buy, you can only bring in small quantities for personal consumption and not for distribution. But clearly, I mean, this is not just applicable to Singapore and Malaysia. These kind of policies are very, very relevant in any border states. You can see this between Switzerland and Germany. Most Swiss people will cross over to Germany to buy petrol and other daily household items. You can see similar evidence between Mexico and the U.S., where U.S. people from San Diego will cross into Mexico for buying many daily good items because the taxes are different, prices are different, and consumers realize that we can benefit from doing cross-border uh, transactions. To some extent, it's okay. I mean, this ha is helping in the economy of the country because people are crossing over and buying things there, but it's also hurting the economy of the other country because, I mean, that consumption is not happening in Singapore, for instance, or in the U.S. or in, in Switzerland. And the regulators and politicians routinely will think of ways how to undo this or account for it. So this is an example of why consumers do this, but also on how we should think from a policy point of view to make sure this is not exploited too much. The fact that there is this transaction cost of traveling to that other country, I mean, border control, you could be stuck there for 15 minutes to four hours. That also deters a lot of people from going over the border because they don't want to waste too much time. So, I mean, these are ways to kind of mitigate some of these issues. Let me talk about a second example of how consumers may be always looking for a bargain and is it a good thing? Here, let me think about the Great Singapore Sale, and this is predictable. It happens every year. Everybody knows about it. Every household knows that I'm, this Great Singapore Sale is around the corner. 
So this kind of a policy has different implications because in this policy, once the consumer knows that this Great Singapore sale is coming, they may actually postpone their purchase of the goods that they want to buy right now. And so they just say, I'm not going to buy the clothes or, or the handbag or the shoes I need right now. I'm just going to wait a month for the Great Singapore sale and buy those goods at that time. So this policy doesn't quite work as well because people shift their spending behavior from the time they should have been spending to a time of the sale. And so that creates a dip in consumption now to a growth in consumption in the future when the sale is happening. And similarly, there could be a dip again in sale after the sale is over uh, because people's spend, spending will go down at that time because they don't want to spend, pay extra um, money during non-sale periods. Alternatively, you could see also differences in spending behavior across categories. Not all categories of goods are on sale during the Great Singapore sale. So what you might find is people switching over to buy products that are on sale during that time and not products that are not on sale. And so that also creates a differential effect on by merchant or even overall the economy or by sector or by industry. Great Singapore sale is an example where it's not necessarily a good thing. It's not a surprise. So people anticipate it, they plan for it, and they're just they're spending accordingly. Singapore is not unique in doing this. Many countries around the world kind of do these kind of sales. In the US, there, it's very commonly known as back to school sale where lots of children's items, clothes and other books and other things are on sale during August. And we see similar evidence that people will shift their spending behavior away from non-sale items to sale items during that time and even shift their behavior in buying sale items during that time and those same items, not buying the same items when there is no sale. So all of this kind of suggests that these sales or these pre-planned sale events are not necessarily will work in stimulating economic growth because consumers will change their behavior. So what's the implication of this? Why do countries repeatedly keep having these events? I think merchants like it. Merchants like it because they can plan their inventory, their sales, and their overall profits based on these, uh, uh, these events. Merchants may also like it because they are not necessarily counting on local consumers to buy items during the sale period, but they are envisioning that there will be foreigners like in the case of Singapore, a lot of Indonesians and Malaysians may fly into Singapore during the Great Singapore sale and do extra spending. So the merchants may anticipate that locals will adjust their behavior, but the foreigners will not adjust their behavior, or even if they do adjust their behavior, the loss is to those economies and not to Singapore or to not Singapore merchants, so they are perfectly fine in having these sale events and benefiting their revenue, their profits during this sale time periods. From a policy point of view, it may be fine because the governments might say fine. You know, even if we see a shifting of behavior by the Singaporeans, as long as the foreigners drive enough of the revenue or profit for the country 
And because the foreigners come in, their extra revenue in terms of they have to stay somewhere, they have to actually consume other goods and services, the country overall is benefiting from this sale events. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Stay tuned as we bring you more interesting research-based insights on a wide range of topics in business and economics. Subscribe to our channel now.